Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh whatever is out there download it it's freaking phenomenal you guys won't regret it take care ciao Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, the man without fear, Val Cisco, and today we're going to be talking about Daredevil Season 3 on Nothing to Watch, always brought to you by Sideshow Conversations. So let's get into it, everybody. I've been dying for Daredevil Season 3 ever since hell. Daredevil Season 2. Not to say I haven't been loving all the other Marvel Netflix series, because I do love some Jessica Jones, but I knew Daredevil had something special up its sleeve, especially for Season 3, and it did not disappoint. So let's talk about it. The third season of the American web television series Daredevil, which is based off of Marvel Comics character by the same name, follows Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, the blind lawyer by day who fights crime at night. When Wilson Fisk is revealed and released out of prison, Murdoch must decide between hiding from the world or embracing his life as a hero vigilante. The season is set in Marvel's cinematic universe, sharing continuity with the films and other TV series of the franchise. It is produced by Marvel Television in association with ABC Studios, with 
Eric Olson serving as a showrunner and series creator Drew Goddard as acting consultant. Of course, there are reoccurring characters with Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, and Vincent D'Onofrio plays Wilson Fisk once again in a great, great performance. Of course, we definitely have Deborah Ann Wool and Eldon Henson playing their roles once again as Karen and Foggy. Of course, some new characters, in my opinion, that I absolutely love. My opinion, and this is just me, the standout, the standout breakout character of this whole season, of course. Well, you know what? I'm going to say there's two of them. Because even though the show is um, based on Daredevil, we definitely have <laughs> Wilson Bethel, who is actually the person who is supposed to play Captain America in the actual MCU, before Chris Evans kind of stole that spotlight right there, plays Benjamin Dex Poindexter. If y'all don't know by now, if y'all are not Daredevil fans like I am, that is none other than Daredevil's fiercest rival, Bullseye. And of course, another person that steals the screen as well, too, Jay Ali playing Raul Ray Naheem, or Agent Naheem. I think that Agent Naheem was one of the best characters of this series because he plays the Commissioner Gordon S. type character throughout the whole series. While you have, of course, Poindexter really going back and forth between someone who has psychological disorders, just like the comic books, trying to play cool, trying to play right as a law, as a, someone that's upholding the law, as well as to is bending or even breaking the rules. So that dynamic of both of these characters choosing from right or wrong throughout the whole season, it's very compelling, very, very compelling. Of course, in my opinion, this is, without a doubt, I have to see season one again, but I think out of all the seasons, season three really culminates into something great. It doesn't have to bring other characters in like it did from Daredevil Season 2 with Punisher and Elektra kind of stealing the spotlight from a lot of characters. This is a very central Daredevil season. We have the Kingpin, we have the makes of Bullseye, and we have the repercussions of what Matt Murdock has been doing as a vigilante. Him trying to decide whether Matt Murdock died um, when we last saw him in Defenders essentially blowing up with that building with a self-sacrifice with Electra, waking up in the church that basically raised him as a little boy, stating that that part of me died, that part of me got nowhere. The only thing left is essentially Daredevil, the vigilante, the person who takes matters into his own hands because you know what? The law means nothing to him. He has lost all hope. He's lost his faith. And you know what? That right there really gets me too because a man... Who we've seen in the comic books, if you're an avid comic like I am, comic book reader like I am, you know that Matt Murdock's faith is his thing right there. That's what keeps him from actually going over the edge. His faith is very important in the comic books. And yes, we do see that in season one, kind of in season two, but it's never this prominent. We definitely see it in this season where uh, the faith between, you know, one's um, salvation, one's um, falling from grace, and then trying to build himself back up 
um, whether it's um, into the Lord's hands or just uh, having faith again in something. Because he's lost all faith in, in everything, whether it be humanity, where the loss, friendship, everything. He's lost faith in mostly everything, himself even. Um, it's, it's, it's a heartbreaking look with Charlie Cox's performance as Matt Murdock. You definitely feel the pain in every scene that he's in. This pain of just trying to figure out who the hell he is. Um, so I won't give so much away from this season. I will say that a lot of it, from the first, I want to say, four episodes, is Matt Murdock really trying to become Daredevil again and kind of failing in, in some aspects. We see him recovering from the runes of the, the Defender series. Um, he's basically being nursed, trying his best and best to try to be the, the superhero that he once was. But everything's pretty much off. His body hasn't healed whatsoever. He's trying to um, to see, you know, without seeing. We all know that Daredevil's blind, but he uses his heightened senses to kind of get through things and day-to-day -day activities. And even that's messed up. He's partially deaf in one ear. Um, his equilibrium is just all off. He does not know where he's at at the time. And you know what? This messes with his routine of just walking to the bathroom. It's, it's, it's a very hard look at what Matt Murdock was and what he took for granted and what he is now in the series. It's tough. Very, very, very tough. Of course, we're seeing on the other side of the coin, Wilson Fisk doing his best to get out of prison. He's also, you know, very much planning things from the inside and the outside, kind of playing the police to his own advantage. Uh, there's a point where... Um, He's trying to sell out other criminals just for protection for his from his for his love, so that way uh, Vanessa doesn't get caught up with any kind of craziness in his life. We definitely saw last season that they separated because of the fact that he was going to jail, and he's still protecting her from the inside. Um, this man is very powerful, and Vincent D'Onofrio's performance is very compelling as well, too. You see how menacing he is and scary he is inside a prison controlling things. This is not very much a physical season for the Kingpin, even though we do see him get physical. This is more his mind and why he is the Kingpin, calling the shots from different areas, um, being the mafioso that he is, that we love for him. Yes, we love the fact that he's a big bruiser kind of guy, but his mind. Just imagine um, the, the power of Doomsday with the mind of Lex Luthor. That definitely is what the Kingpin is, just a very cerebral person. And to see him attach to people like Poindexter, catch him as Dex we see in the first part of, of the police squad with Agent Nadine, basically trying to, to make these deals with the Kingpin but also protect him, we see Poindexter go above and beyond um, being this hitman slash uh, police officer, special agent, if you will, protecting the Kingpin at all costs. Um, not for any reason whatsoever, just because he loves violence. I think that's crazy as well, too. We get to see this cop who, who they question. Throughout the whole episode, they do question his motives. Why are you so aggressive? Why are you using aggressive force? And we see the Kingpin just look at him right then and there. And it clicks. He's saying, you know what, everybody wants you to be some kind of person. 
some neutered dog, but I want to set you free. And that right there is the making of a psychopath right there. When someone else releases the devil out, we definitely see that. We definitely see the devil get let out as well, too. I won't spoil too much right there, but definitely there is some devil versus devil action happening in this season. Speaking about devil action, honestly... In this whole series, we barely see the Daredevil suit. Not to say that it's not in the series whatsoever. A version of it is in there, but this is Matt going back to basics with the Man Without Fear outfit. With the, um, I, I want to say, with the head mask on, the black mask on, uh, the scarf basically over his head, if you will, the, the black outfit, you know... I know people are clamoring for that Daredevil outfit, you know, that classic red outfit, but at the end of the day, this is Matt trying to come back from hell to reach heaven again, and he's going through all sorts of ways. He says the costume itself represented something that he believed in. They believed that, yes, I'm a lawyer by day, vigilante by night, but at the moment in time, I can't respect that outfit because I don't believe in what it stands for. I believe in myself that I will take matters into my own hands and I'll be the executioner since the law uh, is not on my side anymore. So yeah, so much craziness happening in this episode. I absolutely love it. There's so many, so many other different stories as well too. Karen's story. Uh, you know, people like to say that Karen's character is very annoying, and at some points, at least in season two, I feel that she's very annoying. Um, but season three really wraps her character up so well. Uh, just all the repercussions she did, and um, with all the with the murder she did. Uh, in the last season, um, with the guilt that she's going through, with her being an investigative reporter herself, is just very, very compelling stuff. We even get a Karen-centric episode of why she is the way she is. You know, she's talking about her brother and how she can't go back home and how there was a crazy um, killing back then and she was blamed for a lot of things. We get that Karen-centric episode. And honestly, it's in the latter bits of the, of the season. And it's not bad whatsoever. You actually feel for Karen. You feel why this is why she's pretty much messed up in the head. Why she's so crazy. Uh, well, not crazy, but why she's so torn with so many things. You know, so even her character has a lot of growth as a reporter, as a friend to Matt, not as a lover. Because at this moment in time, yeah, you know, we see that um, Karen does care about Matt. Hell, Matt's like gone throughout half the season uh, somewhere else where... The main cast cannot see him, but she's still paying his bills for his apartment. She could barely live on her own, but she's paying for his bills because she knows that he'll come back one day. Whether it's for love, whether it's for friendship, we don't really know because they don't have that real connection in this season. It's more of just trying to get back to basics, why everybody loved Daredevil season one for that relationship for all these three characters especially with foggy foggy's character also grows as well too we see foggy in season two kind of like a snob he accepted his way as the upbeat lawyer that you know represents you know here and there you know the gray area but he's not fulfilled whatsoever you know he has the suits he has the the beautiful apartment he has a trophy girlfriend he can have sex every night you know not begging for it but wanting it you know this guy's on top of the world and yet he feels unfulfilled whether it's because of matt whether it's because of, of what's going on with karen or basically his role in life we even see him go to a family gathering where he has a uh, a family butchery shop as well too and that's even fall on the hard times and you know the family doesn't even want to ask him for help as well too because they're so proud of him being a big shot that they 
think that he looks low, uh, he looks down on them for some reason. So it's this emotional journey that Foggy goes through, trying to go back to basics once again. This whole series, in my opinion, is going back to basics. Every little part of it. It's like why we love season one because it was so grounded. So grounded in my in my opinion. It's it's a fabulous episode. We get um back to Matt again. So much happening with his past. His with his uh with his mother. Uh definitely big arcs with his mother. Definitely big arcs with his father. We see flashbacks of his father basically being his moral compass, his conscience, if you will, trying to get him out of situations, trying to talk himself out of certain things, because Matt is definitely over the edge. Um, I don't know if this is hints going into Shadowland, if anybody has ever read that comic book. That I know people get give it a bad rap. I personally loved it. You know, in, in Shadowland, for people who don't know, Matt does go over the edge um, and actually uses the hand as his own police squad over New York City. So, pretty awesome, and I don't think we're going that direction, but if we were to one day, I could see the makings. I could see Charlie Cox actually giving that performance of a Matt going overboard and actually crossing that line but we see the borderline personality now people may think this is like almost batman-esque but hell no on this in this season you definitely see why daredevil is the way he is why matt murdoch is troubled and tortured and why his religion his faith is what helps him out and the fact that he kind of denounces god in one of the first two episodes it's riveting it's powerful um um, his relationship with with with, with his with his, with his father in general, just little things about you know his father being a boxer and never backing down from a fight, you definitely see that as well too. And Matt trying to never give up, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it's very 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 tough. Um, uh, what can I say? I wish I could give more stuff. Agent Nadim, um, you know, a cop basically. Falling on hard times, you know, we see Agent Nadim, you know, with his family at first, and he's promising this, this kid, you know, a pool and, you know, more of a lavish lifestyle like his friends do, but he can't provide that because he doesn't have a promotion. He can't even make the house payments right now. I could feel for this guy because, hell, I have overdraft um, <laughs> on my account right now that's killing me. So I understand what it is to, to be a parent and sometimes fall on hard times. Um, but you see Agent Nadim very focused and very motivated. And that's what I like about this character. Very much a Jim Gordon-esque character. There's very uh, subtle hints of Batman-esque uh, arcs in this season. But not in a bad way. Not in a way that Arrow does it so blatantly. No, just enough where you're like, this is cool. Nadim, you know, fights for different... Um, promotions or titles that he can do in his task force even the part where he goes to wilson fisk and tries to negotiate deals so he can actually release fisk in a way but also gain information for other uh, narcotic dealers or uh, crime lawyers that are around new york city so we get to see that 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 line drawn, that gray line drawn with Agent Dean. We get to see that what will he do to gain more traction in his life? What will he do to get more money in his life or to get a better position or a better social, um, 
I guess, uh, be on top of the social ladder. You see him getting closer to Wilson Fisk, not in a in a buddy buddy way, but in a way where he's very naive of what Wilson Fisk is doing behind um, closed doors. Um, we see him really going overboard with his family. There's parts where uh, he's lying to his family about you know getting shot at one point or or um, going to da- dangerous territories with a wife that absolutely loves him and trusts him, but you know just wants honesty from him and. Due to the nature of the job, he's just basically telling every white lie after another to kind of get out of a situation or trying to keep his wife and child at ease. To the point where it's actually a detriment to his family, almost gets his family killed. Uh, For a normal person that's really not tied into the Deadpool universe, Deadpool, look at me, the Daredevil universe, I feel that he's a refreshing character. He's someone that you really root for at the same time, really feel despised about as well, too. You're like, ugh, I don't like this guy whatsoever. Because he's making poor decisions. And of course, the outcome at the later of the season, you know, it, it's, it's up in the air how you feel about that. You know, a lot of these things make you feel a certain way, whether it's bad or good. You actually feel a certain way about all these characters. It makes you choose do I like this person? Do I hate this person? Is there a gray area that I can understand this person? Hell, even Poindexter, when he starts losing his mind, and you see where it's coming from, just a a child with psychological issues of abandonment and and trauma just just break down. His walls are breaking down in front of his face every little second, and you have Kingpin whispering sweet nothings into the ear to basically release the demon out of Poindexter, where we get the bullseye uh, character out. Um, Very fun, very fun, very fun. Yes, there are subtle references to other characters and shows. We get references to, um, I believe, Jessica Jones at one point. You know, he compares Karen uh, as a better investigative reporter than Jessica Jones, at least a sober one. Uh, he makes uh, references to Luke Cage and Iron Fist at one point as well, too. Um, makes references to Frank Castle, saying that he doesn't go as overboard as Frank. You know, he doesn't kill, but he would if he had to. But he's playing executioner. He's not playing crazy, as what he calls Frank Castle. Um, hell, there's even little easter eggs as far as for spider-man i know one of them i will say because you're gonna have to find it you're gonna have to find it when you watch this season i won't tell you what episode it is but it has to do with a boxing gym and if you look in the back of that boxing gym you're gonna see two face-to-face old school posters of a white guy and a black guy um saying parker versus morales and i thought that was pretty awesome having that nod there of peter parker and miles morales the two spider-man in new york city there so um, is that a crazy easter egg i wouldn't say so but hell if they were able to get some kind of rights to one of the characters just to show up in one of these seasons that would be fine this season to me is very magical we don't get a lot of electra talk or punisher talk uh, we don't get a lot of references to Defenders and things of that nature. We just get a very central um, story of going back to basics and rekindling faith and what it means to have faith, whether it's in family, friends, relationships, or yourself. And I thought this was one of the strongest Netflix series that we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in my opinion. Beats all of them. Beats all of them, even beats Daredevil Season 3 because of the fact that it's so grounded. What does that mean for all the other Netflix series that uh, have been canceled? Guys, I have my theories. People are saying, oh, 
because of Disney Play coming out um, and the the actual Marvel Cinematic deal is supposed to be ending in 2020, um, that that's the reason why they canceled Iron Fist and Luke Cage, that maybe they're going to Disney Play. I don't believe that whatsoever. I believe that they have so much lore in both series that even though they're the mo- less watched shows, I think they work better together as pairs, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I think that they're actually going to be coming out with the Heroes for Hire TV show, even if it's for one season, that'd be fine, one season, where you can actually bring Danny and Luke together as best friends, like they are in the comic books, Why is cracking, cracking up, having a good time, being up people. What does that mean for what Danny was doing in Asia? No idea. Or what Luke is doing as well, too? No idea. But they could bring him back together somehow, some way, and I think it would be very fun to have both those characters together in one season. I want to say 10 to 13 episodes. With that being said, too, you also get Colleen back, you know, the female Iron Fist, as well as Misty Knight, you know, with her robotic arm, we can definitely see the Daughters of the Dragon actually have their own series, or just be in the Heroes for Hire series as well, too. You know, four for the price of one, in a way. Uh, I love that idea. In my head, that's what works. You know, you can still have Jessica Jones in her own series, because you know what? People do love Jessica Jones. Punisher Season 2 is supposed to be hitting out this spring, so... I just don't see them stopping just yet. I think we have two more good years of great television when it comes to the Marvel Netflix universe. And we've also have on record with Vincent D'Onofrio actually tweeting out that they've only just begun, referring to season four. So even though we see some craziness happen at the end of Daredevil season three, they are still shaping up season four to be what is a crazy climax things happening with bullseye most likely things happening with the kingpin most likely there's still unresolved issues happening with Electra. we're not too sure what exactly happened with this character at the end defenders as well too still unanswered questions uh what i do know is that um i don't want to spoil so much about the season but uh, I think there's some twists, some turns that you're going to love a lot, uh, especially with Daredevil himself. Uh, whether it's him falling from grace or just being the hero that you want him to be, um, that's up to you to decide. But I think this is the strongest season I've seen in the Marvel yet Netflix universe. Anyway, guys, that's my review for it. I definitely give it a big top. It's big top, 10 big tops all the way. Anybody who's a fan of comic books will love this season because you have original, I want to say not beat by beat, but pretty damn close uh, origins of Bullseye, which is freaking great. The psychological damage that character has, and of course the craziness that happens at the end of the season as well too, are literally straight out the comic books as well too. So... For fans of continuity, you're going to love that. Uh, For fans of just Charlie Cox's character, representation of Matt Murdock, you know, you get to see that. Yeah, hell, you even get to see um, Nelson and Murdock kind of reprise the law firm almost once at one point, you know. So that's fun, you know. Just so many things that made season one so good, they brought it back to basics, and I was so happy about that. Um, Guys... I'm out of here. I enjoyed this. I hope you guys enjoy it. It is on Netflix right now, streaming all the episodes. Let me know what you think. Did you find it as awesome as I did? Did you not like it whatsoever? Could you have had a different villain? Are you tired of the kingpin? Did you not like Bullseye whatsoever? Let me know. Or did you absolutely love it? Please, I want to hear from you guys. Twitter at Uncanny underscore V. 
Instagram at Val Cisco. And of course, Sideshow Conversations is on Instagram by that name. It's also on dun, 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 iTunes. Find Sideshow Conversations on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor, Podcast Republic, Stitcher, and all your other podcast mediums as well, too. Guys, give us a, a like. Uh, a comment, something, hell, give us a lick for all we know, gotta love it, gotta need it, whatever Cole Stone does, let me know what you think about this podcast, I appreciate all the love and support that um, anybody has uh, given to this podcast, it means so much to me, I have a lot of fun with this, anyway guys, I'm out of here, get your mind out of gutter, but keep your eye on the side.